Welcome. You're listening to the podcast of First Church in Woodland, California, Pastor Timothy Wisnett. We're so glad you could join us, and we pray that this message you're listening to today is a blessing to your day, and I want to invite you also to visit us online at firstchurch.app to get connected with us and learn about our service and upcoming events, and uh, we hope that we can connect with you and see you soon. Team. Amen. Nehemiah chapter 3, beginning at verse number 28. From above the horse gate, repair the priests, everyone over against his house. After them, repaired Zadok, the son of Emmer, over against his house. After him, repaired also Shimeah, the son of Shechaniah, the keeper of the east gate. After him, repaired Hananiah, the son of Shelemiah. How would you like to have to have these people for neighbors? Amen. I'd be running around and call them, you know, Shek and Shem. Amen. And uh, Hananiah, the son of Shelemiah, the Hanan, the sixth son of Zelophah, another piece. After him repaired Meshulam, the son of Berechiah, over against his chamber. Amen. Let me uh, read that to you in the New Living Translation. Above the horse gate, the priests repaired the wall. Each one repaired the section immediately across from his own house. Next to Zadok, son of Emmer, also rebuilt the wall across from his own house. And beyond him was Shimeon, the son of Shechaniah, the gatekeeper of the east gate. Next to Hananiah, the son of Shelemiah and Hanan, the sixth son of Zelophath, repaired another section while Mishulam and Berechai built the wall across from where he lived. Amen. Now, I know there was a lot of really strange names in there that you can kind of get lost on, but I want to focus in on the part where it says the priest repaired the wall. And then it said that Emmer also rebuilt the wall from his own house. Amen. The theme of Nehemiah is the building up of walls. But I want to talk about this today, and this may seem a little unusual for a Sunday message, but I've felt this uh, for quite some time now. And I want to just feel after the Lord and preach on this aspect of it. The wall that grace built. The wall that grace built. Amen. Let's pray together right now. Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, for the anointing of your word. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for your strength. Thank you for moving in this house in such a rich and a mighty way. I pray that you would touch every person under the sound of my voice. Let your spirit, oh God, so overshadow us, Lord, that healings would begin to take place, that miracles and signs and wonders, Lord, salvation and restoration would begin to take place, Lord. I pray that you would anoint every person under the sound of my voice. And Lord, I believe before we leave here that there are going to be victories won and that there is going to be deliverance and breakthrough that we have sought for a very long time. We're believing for it in the name of Jesus. And everyone said amen. And if you believe he's going to do it, why don't you just give him praise right now and worship him for it? somebody as you're seated and tell them the wall that grace built most of you even if you're a casual student of the word of God are familiar with the story of Nehemiah Nehemiah his name is synonymous with a builder an architect a construction worker at the time Nehemiah lived the walls of Jerusalem had been destroyed the Bible said the people of God lived in exile for many years. And when they had returned to Jerusalem, they had found that the entire city was in ruins. But the thing that grieved Nehemiah the most was the fact that the walls had been broken down and had been trampled down. Uh, the newly rebuilt finished temple stood 
unprotected and vulnerable from not only the winds, but from the scavengers and the adversaries and the treasure hunters that would come. And morale was at an all-time low for the nation of Israel. The news came to Nehemiah, and when it did, it was more than he could hide. He couldn't keep his composure when he got the word that the walls had been broken down and that there was hardly anything left, any identifying markers, hardly that once a great city had stood here for their proud walls had been torn down. Serving in the citadel of Shushan, he efficiently performed the function as a cupbearer to the king of Persia while in slavery. It was impossible to put on the pretense that everything was going fine and everything was going well as we have become professionals at doing. And I understand you know what I'm talking about. We can come to church and everything in our life is going wrong, but we know how to put on a smile and, and make everybody believe that everything is perfect. We, amen, we live in the fakest society probably the world has ever known. When all hell is breaking loose in our life, we're on Facebook talking about how great things are and posting selfies of our latest dish we ordered at the restaurant. Amen. But Nehemiah was so in love with God's city, in love with the God of that city, that when he got the news, he could not hide how this had hurt him. And the Bible said while he was serving in the with, with, for his king, Anaxerxes, the Bible said that when Anaxerxes asked him uh, Artaxerxes asked him what was the reason for his cheerless countenance. He unburdened his heart and bared his passion to rebuild the walls that, that protected around the beloved city of Jerusalem. Uh, he had nothing to lose at this point. He was already in slavery. His heart was already dejected. Uh, but when he had heard about the broken walls of Jerusalem around uh, the city that he loved, he, he could not hide the pain in his heart as he told the king. He took a great risk at telling the king uh, back in those days that if the king didn't like what you wore, if he didn't like your attitude, or the way you smile, he could have you put in prison or even worse, put to death. But miraculously, when the king heard this, when Artaxerxes heard this, his response was one of compassion. And miraculously, the king volunteered men money, and materials to go back and initiate the restoration process of the walls of Jerusalem. Amen. And, and now under royal appointment, Nehemiah rejoiced at the plan of the project that was about to take place. He became the chief architect and he was going on a mission for the king. Imagine a Persian king being willing to give financial and material aid to rebuild the walls of the city that his armies tore down when they took captive this city. Amen. Only our God can do something like that. The Bible says that the king, the heart of the king is in the hand of God and he can turn it whichever way that he wants to turn it. Amen. I still believe that God holds in his hand the heart of every world leader and the heart of any person of prominence and power. And I still believe that God is in control. And there's nothing that's going to happen in this world that God does not already know about it first. Amen. God knows about it before the Pentagon knows about it. God knows about it before the president knows about it. Amen. And when he said this to the king, amen, a ruthless king, a murderous king, a dictatorial king, when he spoke that God turned the heart of that king and said, not only am I going to let you go back, but I'm going to empower you. I'm going to finance your mission. And I'm not just going to give you money, but I'm going to give you the cedars of Lebanon. I'm going to give you the materials and the manpower to make it come to pass. It was, if anything, it was an act of grace that this king had. It's no wonder that the book of Nehemiah names men, uh, that gives the names of men and gave recognition to the 
grace of God. Occasioned by bondage and surrounded by oppression, the faithful named their children by the circumstance around them. But those that went with Nehemiah had new names given to them. And the four names I would like to share with you are Hanun and Hananiah and Hananan and Hananiah. Amen. These men grew in maturity and they lived up to their names. While other people gave their children names like Ichabod that the glory of God had departed and other names that meant they were in captivity. Not these men. They were given names that would begin to turn the mindset of the people held in slavery and captivity. For the first name Hanan means gracious. Everybody say gracious. One man by this name coordinated the efforts of the people of Zenanoah to repair the refuse in the wall of the gate of Jerusalem in Nehemiah 3 and 13. I want you to hold on to me this morning. We're going to go something, go somewhere with this. This man named Gracious led the efforts to repair the part of the gate where the refuge was. I'm going to tell you what, it takes a lot of grace to repair a dung gate. It takes a lot of grace to find that the sewer is important too and I'm going to put my hands to work doing in the kingdom of God whether the task is glorious or whether the task seems menial or whether the task seems uncomely. I want to be a part of the kingdom of God. We've got to change our mindset that the greatest honor in the kingdom is not to stand underneath lights or to hold amplification instruments or microphones but our greatest ability in the kingdom of God is when God uses us in service for his kingdom. Amen. Grace was a part. Grace was a part of rebuilding even the sewage system at the wall. Another of the same name, amen, assisted in the repairing of the walls in other places where it was unseemingly and uncomely that you would work there. Amen. Another name uh, is is uh, Hanani, and his name means gracious also. His brother's name was Hananiah, and he was also appointed governor over Jerusalem and given charge of the city gates when Nehemiah returned to the Persian palace in Nehemiah 7 and 2. He was the only one. He was the one who originally reported the condition of the walls of Jerusalem to Nehemiah while he was in Shushan in Nehemiah 1 and 2. Because you see, grace is a part of building walls and grace should be a part of the construction that we have for the kingdom of God. Because grace cares about the condition of the fallen and grace cries for restoration to those that are broken. Grace does not cry for judgment. Grace calls for reconciliation and grace calls for reconstruction. While others grew calloused in their condition, grace shared the sad story and sought a solution. While most of Israel had hung their harps on the willow tree and while most of Israel had begun to acclimate to their new life in captivity, and slavery, not those men of grace. They said God is still able. It doesn't matter what our situation is. It doesn't matter how hopeless it may seem. If the walls are broken down, I know grace is able to step in and help a reconstruction process. After the walls restored, it was grace that guarded the gates of the wall. I don't know about you, but I want to live behind the walls that grace Grace built. Amen. Another name, another with the name of uh, Hananiah. Amen. A priest was the chief musician under Nehemiah in Nehemiah 12 and 36. He was charged with leading worship and giving thanks in dedication of the walls after their completion in Nehemiah 12. It was an all hands on deck effort this day as the construction culminated in a grand celebration. Grace participated in the purging of sanctification 
and then in the giving thanks of dedication. Grace leads the worship that brings hearts together and encourages those in the labor of love. We need grace in every aspect of what we do. We need to be kind and gracious as God was kind and gracious with us. Worship ought to be an act of grace. Not only God's grace toward us, but our grace toward one another as we worship the Lord and say this will be the walls that grace builds. This will be the walls that grace upholds. Hayanana was another priest who played the trumpet at the dedication of the walls in Nehemiah 12 and 41. Musicians even helped to build the wall. They didn't set off on their own and, 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 and sit over and say, well, we got practice, but they put their hands to work. Amen. Our worship and our celebration reflects the uniqueness of our relationship with God. Our songs and our services reinforce our commitment and our distinctions from the world world because they are the walls that grace built. Amen. Music and music ministers must be men and women of grace with the same vision and passion as the preacher from the pulpit that we march in harmony to do a work for God. And I'm glad that we have that here and I'm preaching it to the future of the church that musicians and worship leaders must lead with grace. It's not enough to preach grace. It's not enough to shout grace we've got to worship and we've got to live in grace and say this is the wall that grace built amen amen I know these words these names are awful similar but hold with me because there's more names and uh, Hanan means it means this God is merciful he was one of the other four. One by his name was of the tribe of Levi and assisted Ezariah in explaining the law to the people in Nehemiah 8 and 7. You see, grace reveals the purpose of God and it makes God's plan for your life plain. Amen. Grace not only builds the wall, but grace will teach you once you're inside that wall. I am so thankful this morning for God's amazing grace in my life that it didn't just picked me up but it also cleaned me off and it said this is how you can live and this is the path that you must go in it appears that three or four of the men named for grace were the heads of their family group of the people who sealed the covenant with Nehemiah they're listed in Nehemiah 10 and 10 and 22 and 26 this group comprised Nehemiah 10 and 28 says it comprised those who had separated themselves from the people of the land to the law of God. Everyone who had knowledge and understanding. You see, they pledged that they would not give their daughters to men of other tribes outside of Israel. Let me say that again. They swore an oath to God that they, if God would help them build the walls, they would not give their daughters to marry men from non-covenant tribes of the tribes of Israel. I think we need to make some covenants that our children are not available to this world. I think it's time we may need to tell some entertainment. We may need to take, tell some, some uh, apps or some games or some friends or whatever and say, no, no, my children, no, no, I've given them to the Lord and they can't be God's and they can't be the world's. Is this all right on a Sunday morning? These men said, God help us and we'll never let our, our daughters marry men that are not Israelites and we will observe the Sabbath and our children will support the temple. Listen to me, mom and dad. Listen to me, adults and parents. Our children are not going to invest in what we don't invest in. If they don't see us do it, they won't do it. Grace led the way to confirm and renew the ancient covenant 
that was delivered on Mount Sinai. They, they proposed to observe and do all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord. I want you to think about this for a moment. It's interesting that men and women of grace supported the law of God delivered through the Mosaic Covenant. Because we would look at that and say, no, they were living under the law, but yet these were men of grace. Even then, it was being established. And now it must be understood that grace is not an enemy to principle and mercy is not an adversary of a covenant with God. Grace still builds walls and celebrates separation in support of God's requirements for us. We, we think easy believism, grace. No, grace supports what God requires. God supports what God requires. Another Hanan was the son of Zachar, the grandson of Mataniah, uh, whom Nehemiah made one of the storekeepers of the provisions that collected tithes. See, Nehemiah based the criteria for selection on the fact that they were considered in Nehemiah 13 and 13, uh, that they were considered faithful. Their assignment task was to distribute the tithe among the brethren. In other words, he said, if grace is going to build this wall, grace must be faithful and it must be trustworthy. I want God to be able to find me faithful and I want God to be able to find me trustworthy. Amen. Hanan was faithful to his job. He distributed to the needs of others. He distributed to the needs of others. He realized that this money was not for possession but for ministry. He did not hoard it unto himself but he used it to bless others because grace will cause us to care about other people and grace will cause us to love people who don't necessarily love us and grace will cause us to reach for people that we normally would not reach for because grace Builds the wall. Hey man, again, don't get confused with these names, but there's another gentleman, again, named in our text, Hananiah, and his name literally means Yahweh is gracious or favored of Yahweh. And the moniker was given to men to remind others of, of that particular characteristic of God because they were living in slavery. They were living in chains and in bondage. And yet when this young man was born, his parents offered him to the Lord and said, Yahweh, is gracious. I want you to know it doesn't matter what situation you're in. It doesn't matter what you're struggling with, what the adversary has loosed on your life or what God has allowed the adversary to do. I want you to know God is still gracious and you are still favored of God. No matter the opposition, no matter the struggle, no matter the pain, God is still gracious. This man was one of the one of the priests who, who made the sacred ointments and anointment, anointing of incense for the temple. And it, that, that was named Hananiah. He also helped build a portion of the wall of Jerusalem. Hananiah, the son of Shechemiah, repaired another section of the wall. I want you to hear me right now. Whether we serve in the temple or we labor in construction, we are all vital to the process of success in the kingdom of God. We all have a place in the kingdom of God. Whether we are laborers or whether we are servants, we all have something to do in the kingdom of God. And you know what God does? God is the adhesiveness that brings us together. It's not our backgrounds. It's not our similarities. It's not even the commonality of our nation or our language. But it is grace that unites us. It is grace that brings us together. Amen. 
stone upon stone will not last forever. Amen. I preached about this not too long ago when Jesus said, if these don't praise me, the rocks will cry out. And I mentioned to you that 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 was also an association to the Gentiles. They were considered rocks that you and me. Amen. And here we are. We're talking about a wall. And if all you do is stack stones, it will only last a while. But if you want true protection, amen, you got to put a sealant between those stones. You got to put mortar and sealant between those stones. You and I are the stones. But grace is the sealant that is between you and I. It is the buffer that keeps us from butting heads. It is the buffer that keeps us from cracking into one another. It is that safety mechanism that is put between us and even with us and God. I want to be a person of grace. I want to be a laborer of grace. I want to be a minister of grace. I want to be able to show the love and the grace of God to everybody. Grace brings us all together and grace, grace works through us in every occupation if we will allow grace to work through us. Now listen, I know I'm, what kind of a church I'm preaching in. Amen. I know I'm preaching in a, an apostolic church and, and uh, we, we believe in grace. But we, we don't talk about it a lot because we don't want to be confused with those people that live under a delusion of grace. That you can do whatever you want and God don't care because of grace. But we should not let them redefine what grace is. We should let God define what grace is. And we should endeavor to live for that grace. Amen. We've got to realize that the project is greater than the parts. That the sum is grander than the segments. Together the wall can be constructed in unity. Amen. The separation can be consecrated because of grace. You look around and you may say, I don't know how we can do all that we do. I hear this quite often. I, I hear this in, in, in a manner of, of, uh, of great admiration from pastors and, and, and churches and ministers ministries all over the world. They look at us and say, I don't understand how y'all are able to do what you do when it comes to missions. I, I, I don't, we, we built a Bible college, amen. Uh, we're, we're building churches. As a matter of fact, this week, Brother uh, Roberto and I were on the phone with a, uh, Pastor Mendoza and we committed to build two more churches in Ecuador, one in the jungle and one on the west side over near the coast there in Ecuador. And they wonder, how, you know, I, I've had a mass before. You, you guys must have, a, you, you know, seven 800 people in your church and we say no not yet we're on our way uh, not yet we're getting there and if God will do it with this amount how much we're able to see done uh, amen Bible colleges and umpteen churches built in just the last four or five years uh, amen what more can God do but I look at them uh, and I tell them in, in some roundabout way it's amazing what God can do when God's people unite together and the mission is not about me but it's about him it's amazing what we can do when we come together and say it's not about my personality or your personality and it's not about your agenda or my agenda. It's about his agenda and his deity and his kingdom come and his will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Amen. After Hananiah was made ruler of the citadel of Jerusalem under Nehemiah, it was noted in Nehemiah 7 and 2 that he was a faithful man and feared God more than many. He along with Hananiah, uh, Nehemiah's brother, was entrusted with the administration of guarding the gates of Jerusalem. You see, grace built the wall and grace also guarded the gates. It's not enough to build a wall if we don't guard the gates. All, all you do if you build a wall and don't build gates and protect them, all you've done is just cause the enemy to delay his attack a little bit. Grace led in worship and accompanied with the dedication service. Grace, true grace, still builds walls to this day. Walls restrict and inhibit, but also provide protection. Walls are for separation. Walls define boundaries. In the ancient world, walls were their only source of protection from the enemy. As long as there are no walls, nothing of value can, could be obtained or retained. Marauding mobs of mercenaries would just wander through and they would, they would rob and reap any acquisition of worth and wealth 
if there were no walls around the city. Walls could stop free access by the antagonist. Walls would restrict the devourer from coming in whenever the devourer wanted to come in. Walls are boundaries. It's a definitive line of demarcation. Walls say here and no further. Walls say this belongs to me or this belongs to us or this belongs to God. Without a doubt, you know when you are inside and when you are outside because grace draws the line and you don't have to wonder is this right or wrong is this in or this out because when you have built the walls it's easy to know when you're on the inside or when you're on the outside walls are sometimes criticized as barriers of freedom they'll also criticize walls as an unnecessary restriction oh how foolish we can be The critics oppose construction of any barrier to free access from the secular to the sacred, from the profane to the pure. They don't want anything to obstruct what the enemy would like to bring in. Because some enemies don't come in to attack in a moment and tear down. Some enemies, as Jude says, they creep in unaware. You see, if you were not a citizen of that city, they had elders on the gate who knew everybody's family. Everybody's name was written on a roll. And if you didn't belong to that city, they had some questions they wanted to ask you. Oftentimes, the greatest points of trade for a city were not within the city, but on the outside of the walls of the city because the city wanted to protect it. Who came in and what went out? You need to make sure you got some walls in your life. You need to make sure you got some gates in your walk with God. And you need to be a little more critical of who you allow in and what you allow in and what you allow out. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost on a Sunday morning. I said, you need, to, you need to guard your gate. You need to be very critical of what you're going to let in your spirit, who you're going to let entertain you, what you're going to go do, who you're going to go do it with. You need to make sure that you got a wall that grace can build and a wall that grace can keep. Years ago, my wife and I had the privilege of of going down to El Paso and crossing over for a few days back and forth in, into Juarez during the height of the cartel wars. In that particular year alone of the cartel wars in the, in, in, in the city of Juarez, when we went there, there had already been over 3,800 murders just in Juarez alone. There were more murders in Juarez already in that year than there had been in two years of the Iraq-Afghanistan war. Everywhere we went, there were soldiers holding machine guns. It didn't matter where you went, they were holding machine guns. They had their, their uh, baklavas on. They didn't want to show their faces because the cartels would target their, their families. And we'd go back and forth across that bridge. Amen. And I hear people say, uh, and you've heard me talk about this before, they say, oh, well, we go to Juarez to go have freedom. Because we can go over there and we can buy the drugs we want and we can party and we can do all the good things we want. Walls matter. Boundaries matter. I'm not even being political. I'm talking about being realistic. Boundaries matter. Because while Juarez was the unsafest city in the entire world, just across the bridge in El Paso was the safest big city in all of America with three murders in the entire year. You want to know why? One side said, we're going to be a little more critical of who comes in and who goes out and the laws we hold here. You want chaos in your life? Just do whatever feels good. 
I said, you want chaos in your life? Don't let God govern your life. Just say, well, I, I, I know the church, I know the Bible says this, I know pastor says that, youth leader says it, but it doesn't matter. I, I'm just going to, you know, grace will cover all of that and you become a law unto yourself and in the law unto yourself, you become lawless and in your lawlessness, it becomes chaotic and in the chaos, the walls come down and when the walls come down, there is no inhibition for the enemy to overrun your life. You need to make up in your mind right now, my greatest freedom is to walk within the parameters of God's kingdom. My greatest liberty is to walk within the walls that grace has built for my life. God's grace doesn't mean I can do what I want to do when I want to do it and God has to accept it. But grace means that he's going to give me favor and he's going to bless me. He's going to keep us and if I fall, he'll lift me up. They say walls are enemies. They say walls are enemies. Walls are bad. I'm glad I'm preaching this now. And not five or six years ago, some of y'all really would have crucified me. They say walls are enemies. Ah, But they're only enemies to people like Sanballat and Tobiah. You see, the very existence of Sanballat and Tobiah and their antagonism against the construction of the walls proved the fallacy of their philosophy. For it was Sanballat and Tobiah who stood there and mocked Nehemiah and the workers and said, we don't want this wall. You don't need this wall. Who cares about that made fun of them nonstop? Sanballat and Tobiah would antagonize them and would try, the Bible said they would try to call them down to come and fight them, to come and argue with them. But Nehemiah would have a sword in one hand and he would be building the wall with this hand. And he looked and he said, we cannot come down for we are doing a good work. You see the only reason why the enemy is antagonizing you right now is because he's afraid of the walls that you're building in your life. He's trying to distract you from the mission. He's trying to deter you from the purpose. But I'm telling you, don't you come off that wall. Don't you pick up that trowel and you go to work. You stay focused. Don't, don't listen to Sanballat. Don't listen to Tobiah. I know they say a wall ain't necessary and all of that's going over. Hey, not, a, not me, baby. I'm going to build a wall with grace and say some things matter in my life. The absence of walls permitted their pernicious prying eyes to look into the city and see it unprotected. Amen. You need to build walls because there's some things the enemy don't need to see in your life. Sometimes it ain't about keeping the enemy out. It's about keeping their eyes out to see what's vulnerable on the inside and not just what's vulnerable, but what's pure. Walls uh, walls can be criticized all they want, but walls are effective. That's why they've been used for thousands of years. I can hear it right now. Wait! Somebody screams. Wait a minute. This book, the Bible, is about grace, Pastor. So why are you preaching about boundaries and restrictions and limits? Because I am convinced you cannot talk about grace without recognizing the realm of requirements. Because true grace, true grace calls for separation. The wall of grace, the, if the wall of grace's instruction separates you from God, then you are on the wrong side of the wall. I can hear Sam Ballad and Tobiah right now, even lifting their voice. They always have. They always will. I can hear them raising their voice right now, Brother Garza is saying. That's legalism. I can hear Tobiah screaming. That's bondage. That's extremism. But it's only extremism when there's no limits. Because grace requires us to come out from among them. 
I can hear a sand ballot right now lifting their voice and saying, but it's God's umbrella of grace, Pastor. Don't you know it covers all? God don't really care as long as we stay under the umbrella. Live and let live. Just believe. Grab grace and get down. It doesn't really matter what the Bible says as long as we believe in grace. Well, I'm going to walk in it today. I can hear Tobiah in Sanballat, Elder Henderson, saying, all of that stuff you harp on, you've been teaching on Tuesday nights. All of that stuff is restrictive legalism. But if you'll put your ear to the sound of heaven, the sound of heaven is saying, build the wall. Build the wall and be holy, even as I, the Lord your God, am holy. See, grace is not a get-out-of-jail-free card. Let, let me say that again. Grace is not a get-out-of-jail-free card. Grace is not, I'll do it my way, and I'll do it my interpretation. I'll, I'll do it the way I want to do it, and that's just whatever you want to do. And I'll, I'll take my version of the Bible, and you take your version. Of, no, 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 no. We're going to stand before God, and we're going to get his version of not my version of the word, not your version. of. There ain't no Pentecostal versus Baptist way of looking at it. Amen. There ain't no church, unchurched way of looking at it. There's no Unitarian, Episcopalian view of the word. It's just God's truth, God's word. And what we have to do is build the wall with grace and say Lord I want to live in the abundant freedom that you've given me because of your grace but it didn't matter how much the world yelled at them it didn't matter how much Sanballat and Tobiah tried to get Nehemiah and them to come off the wall you see Sanballat and Tobiah brother Ryan they realized they didn't have to kill Nehemiah they just needed to distract Nehemiah they realized they didn't have to take them amen out they didn't have to remove them from Jerusalem they just needed to get them so distracted from their mission it would delay the inevitable until everybody got frustrated with not seeing what had been promised. Amen. I know I'm preaching to some people this morning who are frustrated that the promise of God seems delayed in your life. And I ask you a question. Is it delayed because you've come off the wall and chose to argue with Sanballat and Tobiah? But Nehemiah refused to get distracted from the objective of building the walls of Jerusalem. He wouldn't quit. He wouldn't compromise the construction. When adversity mocked the integrity of the new walls, Nehemiah just continued to build. When Sambal and Tobiah got their friends together and they laughed and they mocked and said, what a stupid wall. They said, don't let a fox run it. Go read this. Don't let a fox walk over that wall is what they said. Elder Moreno, remember that? Don't let a fox walk. It'll knock the whole thing down. Nehemiah didn't even listen. He just grabbed another rock and stuck it in the wall. And he grabbed another rock and he stuck it in the wall. Uh, it doesn't matter who's mocking your commitment to God. It doesn't matter who's belittling your consecration to the Lord. Uh, you need to grab another hand of grace and put it on the wall and say, I'm going to build this. His kingdom come. His will be done in the earth. I'm almost done, but, but I felt I needed to preach about this. I, I hope you're getting something out of it. When the enemy requested a meeting, they wanted a council. They wanted a parlay. Ironically enough, they wanted to meet in a particular valley. It's the valley that's spelled O-N-O. They wanted to meet in O-N-O. Read your Bible. That's what the valley was called, the Valley of O-N-O. And Sam Ballad and Tobiah said, Nehemiah, get you and your little punks off that wall and meet us down in the valley. You know what Nehemiah said? Oh, no. He said, oh, no, I refuse to negotiate. Oh, no, I refuse to neglect the walls. Remember, the moment you start negotiating with your enemy... You have to neglect the wall. You can't negotiate and build. 
Some of you need to get an oh no in you. When you go to work and they start talking like that, you go, oh no. Huh? When the enemy puts you in a place of temptation and you know nobody else will find out, at least you think. You need to get an oh no. Oh no. Not me. Not doing that. Not going there. I got a wall to build. I can hear the enemy saying now, but that's not even a pretty wall. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you see. It's what he sees. Oh, come on. It's not going to matter if you don't build that part of the wall. It's the sewage system. Oh, you don't think it matters? Wait till people start moving in. If we didn't finish this gate, this whole city's going under. So, oh, no. This wall matters. This rock matters. This consecration matters. This prayer meeting matters. This service matters. This commitment matters. This scripture matters. My Bible matters. My prayer life matters. My worship matters. My consecration matters. It matters not only to God, but it matters to me because I made up in my mind if it pleases him, it pleases me, and I'm going to build a wall. Me and Grace are going to build a wall. When Sambalin and Tobiah threatened to attack the walls, Nehemiah didn't say, let's get down, boys, and let's do, some, let's do some battle exercises. No, it's not what Nehemiah did. Nehemiah provided them with a trumpet to sound the alarm should the enemy appear and said, boys, keep a sword in one hand and a trumpet close by because we ain't coming down from this wall. You can, go to, you can go fighting all the devils you want. You go right ahead. I've got some things I'd rather build than devils I want to fight. Did you catch that? You can, you can fast till your belly button come, comes off, and you can pray till you get an accent trying to find devils to fight. As for me, I want, I want to build some things. I want to build some things. I want grace to help me build something. Why fight an enemy that's already been defeated? You see, because grace, and I'm talking about true grace, understands the value of separation. Grace understands there can be no compromise with sin. Grace calls you out. It cleans you up. It gives you the ability to maintain your commitments. Amen. Grace builds the wall of separation in the face of mockery. Grace doesn't care what the world says about their service to the Lord. Grace says, I've got a job to do. I've got a mission to fulfill. It doesn't it doesn't matter if they say it don't take all that. It doesn't matter if they say it's ridiculous. Uh, me and Grace have got some building to do. And who cares about criticism when you understand the value of commitment? Grace understands there's some things in this kingdom that are non-negotiable. And I'm going to build and not negotiate. I'm going to construct and not fight. So when the adversary invites you to the table of temptation, to the summit of subterfuge, remember there is no RSVP because I just ain't coming. <laughs> you go ahead and tell them, I'm going to be a no-show in the valley of oh no. You go ahead and have your meeting. I just ain't going to be there. I've got to work for the Lord to do because grace will give you the weapon to withstand any threat that the adversary has. Grace will sound the alarm, will blow the trumpet in the face of the enemy's attack. And Jesus sent out his disciples. As he sent them out, he assured them of their purpose and their promise in Luke 10 and 19. And he said, behold, I give you authority over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. And if I'm walking around with that kind of insurance and assurance, I'm not going to quake at what the enemy throws my way. I'm going to keep on 
building. Hey, Sanballat and Tobiah, you can keep shouting, you can keep mocking, you can keep threatening, but as for me and my house, we're going to continue with grace and we're going to build the wall. Because of the single-minded purpose of Nehemiah and those who assisted in the construction, the daunting project that had seemed impossible before, you ready for this, was completed in a miraculous... How many knows how long it took to build that wall around the whole city? I want you to think about it. No lasers, no cranes. You didn't have any generators, Elder? It was just... You ever seen how big the city of Jerusalem is? In no time at all. The Bible says 52 days they built the whole wall. You, you couldn't build a wall around McDonald's in 52 days anymore. They built an impenetrable wall in 52 days. You want to know how they did it? With grace. You want to know how they did it? Because they didn't come down and fight every time the enemy threw a rock at them and stuck out their tongue and said, nan, nan, boo, boo. You see, they made up their mind before they climbed up the first scaffolding. They realized my mission is bigger than my feelings. My mission is bigger than my attitude. My mission is bigger than me. It's about him. It's not about me. And after, listen to me, they're not attacking you. They're attacking God. So let me try to bring it home. Let me try to land this plane. Nehemiah remained in Jerusalem as governor for 12 years. In the 32nd year of Artaxerxes' reign, Nehemiah returned to his post in Shushan. And it's not clear how long he was away from Jerusalem, but when he returned, he had discovered that the high priest, Elishabib, had prepared a room for their adversary, Tobiah, in the house of God. I want you to pay very close attention to this. If you don't learn to defeat these things while you're building, if you don't learn to hold the consecrations in the construction process, let, let, let me break it down a little bit more. If you don't learn how to have a prayer life now, If you don't learn to pray now, you ain't going to learn to pray when everything's going your way. You'll take the fact that God blessed you as a, as an, an, a, a condonement from God that he didn't care. And Nehemiah comes back and it wasn't long don't know exactly how many years, but Elisha had prepared a room for the adversary in the house of God. The very same one who mocked the wall, who mocked the men that built the wall, who threatened them. I want you to note the irony of this. Listen to this. It's unbelievable when you begin to piece all of this together that the walls were meant to keep the enemy out, but the high priest made a place for Tobiah the Ammonite inside the temple. My Bible tells me we are to give no place to the adversary in our life. If you want victory, don't give don't give place to the enemy. Don't give place to temptation. Give more room to God. Give more availability to prayer. I told you this isn't going to be our standard Sunday sermon, but I'm going to help some of you live for God. Amen. This ain't about how high we can jump and loud we can shout and how fast we can run the aisles this morning. I'm trying to help you live for God five years from now, 10 years from now, 35 years from now. And the only way you're going to live for God when you got gray hair or no hair is when you learn to push out the enemy now. You can't give any place to the enemy. I remember, I remember my pastor coming to me and he would say that. He would come by and just say, you can't give any place to the enemy in your life. And I, I remember thinking back then, what does he know? I did think, oh my God, what does he know? And I, I would start examining my life. What am I doing wrong? And it wasn't that I was doing anything wrong. He was constantly preparing me that the enemy is looking for any undefended gate in the wall. 
And listen, if he can't come through the main gate, he'll come through the side gate. And if, are you with me? If he can't come in the side gate, he'll find that dung gate to come crawling in. Matter of fact, many nations have been conquered. Many cities have been conquered through the sewage. I hope this isn't too heavy for you this morning. You see, the enemy has a way of using refuse and trash and sewage to find a place in our life. Mm. Just because you wouldn't swim in it doesn't mean he won't. There's many people who have lost out with God that they didn't lose out in a crack house. They didn't lose out on a bar stool. They didn't, they didn't, they didn't lose out in some obscure motel. They didn't, they didn't lose out some wild rampage of violence. You know where they lost out? They started letting a little bit of sewage in their life. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost here. Started being entertained by things that, that God turns away from. Oh, I know this is just, Sister Cindy, this is old-fashioned preaching. I know I'm, I'm just way born, you know, I should have been born in the 20s or something. I get it, I get it. But all of a sudden they were finding things humorous that God found detestable. They started giving sympathy to things that God said were abominable. Oh, but I would never do it. I would never. I'll be entertained by it. I, I personally would never do that. And the enemy found a weakness in the gate. And unbeknownst to you, we start forming places for the enemy. After all the opposition suffered from Samballot and Tobiah, and now one of them is gifted living quarters in a room that the Bible said was to be reserved for offerings and tithe. The priest said, ah, this isn't important. We're going to let the enemy of God live here. Not only that, but the priest, listen, the priest's grandson married in Nehemiah 13 and 28, married a grandson of Sanballat. The priest let his grandson marry outside the faith. With all our efforts to identify the line between the church and the world, too many times it's easy to make provision for the flesh. Because a place in our heart that was made for God, it's easy to make a comfort for the world. A room that's been reserved for God can so easily be turned into a stronghold of opposition that can be occupied by the adversary. It was in the sanctified temple after the dedication of the walls and still a place was made for the enemy. I want to help you this morning. I know you haven't ran the aisles on this message. Go listen to last week and run the aisles on that one. I'm sure Brother Abra will have us swinging from the roof next Sunday. But never let it be said of your heart that you had dedicated everything in your life to the Lord. But you made a room for the enemy somewhere in your life. You can have all the external trappings of sanctification. You can have the standards of the church. You can have the fellowship of the church. You can have worship him and the beauty of holiness. You can have the experience of the baptism of the Holy Ghost. But if you allow the adversary to take up lodging in your heart, you have defeated the purpose of what all of that stuff was about. Because you can have everything else right and bitterness in your spirit and undo everything.
that grace has tried to build in your life. You can do everything else right, but if you have hatred in your spirit and in your heart, you will let down the gates from the walls that grace built in your life. I'm admonishing and challenging us this morning. Are we willing to walk into the room of our heart where Tobiah has set up shop and are we willing to say, I'm serving eviction notice on you right now. I'm going to not, I'm not letting offense. I got three amens on that one and a hallelujah. I'm not going to let offense. See, we've, we've become so professional at being offended. Oh, that offends me. That offends me. You big baby, you need to pray it through. I said it. And I'll say it again. If every little thing triggers and offends you, you're none of Christ's. Let me pull this out so I can hear it real well. If every little thing offends and triggers you, you're none of Christ. Because he said, blessed is he whomsoever is not offended. And you got some people that cannot walk in the blessing and the abundance of God because they're walking around waiting to be offended all the time. Get Tobiah out of your heart. Get Sanballat out of your heart. Get the love of the world out of your heart. I said, get a love of the world out of your heart. Get a love for worldliness out of your heart. Evacuate it. Evict it. This don't belong in my life. I'm a Christian. I am a follower of Christ. I gotta get this out of my spirit and out of my heart. For the Bible says, if any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. I get it. It's 2023. Most people can't handle meat preaching. But I'm preaching it anyway. We are not going to make it with sand ballot on the inside of the wall. Sometimes you got to pray it through. Sometimes you got to say, oh God, Come in my heart and serve eviction on anything that's not like you. Come into my mind. And I taught on this on Tuesday night. Wash my mind. The Bible says we're saved by the washing of our minds. Would you stand with me this morning? I, I, committed am I to grace? How committed I am, am I to the kingdom? Elisha, I can't believe you would let that man inside the temple. You didn't just let him in the city. You didn't just say, well, I've got sympathy for this man. I'm, I'm going to let him live on Skid Row. You ushered him into one of the most sacred rooms of the temple and said, you can bed down here. And oh, by the way, you got a good looking grandson. Have you seen my granddaughter? we got to give no place to the enemy in our life. Because my commitment to God is only as strong as my consecration to make sure he's the Lord of my life and to build the walls of grace in my life. So if a pastor doesn't grace accept him, nope. Don't accept Sam Ballant Tobiah. Grace gives us the ability to walk uprightly and pure and clean before the Lord. I, 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 don't, I don't know what it is that you might be struggling with. I, I, I don't, and this is not an indictment that 
necessarily you've allowed the enemy in, into the temple that you've let Sam buy or told about. It's not an indictment of that. This is a warning. Get out of the valley of oh no. Don't negotiate with it anymore. Turn around and walk back to the wall. Climb up that scaffold and begin to build and realize my children's future, my grandchildren's future, my great-grandchildren's future all depends on my ability to stay on the wall and keep building until God says that it's done. And I'm going to give no place to the enemies of God in my life. I'm not going to let in bitterness and dissension. I'm not going to let in discord or bite-biting or, 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 or any kind of discord or, or gossip or lies or hatred or bitterness or hard feelings or un forgiveness. I'm not going to allow anything in my life. I'm not going to allow temptations of the world and sin into my life. I'm not going to do it. I'm going to keep building the wall. Amen. And where sin abounds, I'm going to build that wall even higher. If sin gets three feet, I'm going to build that wall 50 feet. And if sin tries to get 10 feet, I'll build that wall 100 feet. Because where grace, where sin does abound, does grace much more abound. And I'm going to keep building a wall because I'm consecrating my life unto the Lord. I'm not preaching to people that'll just come to church twice on week uh, a week. I'm preaching to somebody right now that wants to give their life in service of the kingdom of God. I'm preaching to somebody this morning that wants to give themselves in dedication to the work of the Lord in your life. Somebody that doesn't want to be of the world. Somebody that doesn't want to surrender to Sandalit and Tobiah. Somebody that doesn't want to compromise at the table. Amen. In the valley of oh no but somebody this morning who will either make their calling and election sure or will rededicate their life or just come to this front and say pastor I'm climbing that wall with you we're going to with grace we're going to build this wall there's going to be a refuge there's going to be a strong tower there's going to be a place in this city where people can come and be saved oh come on pray with me right now I feel the Holy Ghost Come on, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. <laughs> oh, this is a good time to be praying right now. Oh, this is a good time to be seeking the face of the Lord. And that's it. I, I'm going back to the wall. I, I, I've come down from the wall, but I'm going back up. But God strengthened my hand to build this wall. Oh, this is a wall that grace built. This is a wall that grace built. I'm climbing the scaffolding. I'm building the wall. I'm building the wall for my children and my grandchildren. I'm building the wall for my family that's lost. I'm building the wall. There's going to be a place of commitment and dedication and consecration. In the name of Jesus, go ahead, go ahead. Thanks again for joining us for this podcast. It's such an honor that we could have you, and we pray you were blessed by the word today. We want to stay connected with you, and so give us a follow on our social media pages on Facebook or Instagram. You can find all of those on our website at firstchurch.app. You can also stay connected with us through that uh, website, and you can download it as an app on your phone from there. And so until the next time, we pray you're blessed. Have a great week in Jesus' name.